Welcome once again to Devotional. This is lesson number three for Monday, November 12th. I forgot to mention this yesterday, uh, November 11th, that um, of course I'm recording these ahead of time, but uh, for Sunday, November 11th, by God's grace, Steve Haddix and I and the rest of the team that went to El Salvador, we should have flown by, and today, God, by God's grace, November Monday, November 12th, I am at home with my wife and my girls again. And uh, that's going to be a happy reunion again with the family. So um, looking forward to that because I'll be coming back with photos and videos of the sites we'll be serving, the great opportunities God has given us to serve in that part of the world come next March. So today, uh, for Monday, November 12th, we're looking at the title, The Conversion of Gentiles. And it's a very well familiar um, narrative uh, recollection of um, how, how God was preparing the church to make this transition, which was huge, was monumental. And so several chapters in the book of Acts are devoted to prepare the, the readers and, of course, the people that are being written about how, how much uh, it took for God to do to remove this um, prejudice and this uh, traditional separation that had governed the Jewish mindset up to this point took a lot of effort. I mean, the, the dreams for the apparition, the vision of the angel for Cornelius, Peter's dream. Um, and Peter was, you know, still trying to figure things out until um, he was at Cornelius's home. Boom, it hit him. God does not make a distinction between humans. Um, I want to bring to you something uh, related to this, but separate. It dawned on me. This is just a, a side note uh, as a pastor evangelist. Um, you know, you have quite a bit of, of robust, um, a thorough um, arguments in this issue of circumcision, right? You, you touch, we touch on this on Galatians, in Romans, in the book of Acts. You have this council that takes place. And the, the thing is, the, the circumcision was not invented by the Jews. It was actually given by God to Abraham. And... You, it makes sense now why, you know, Jewish people would be so hesitant to just discard of it. Hey, didn't God give us circumcision? And Paul makes the argument that, yes, it was God who gave circumcision, but it was a lesson to Abraham to not try to help God. That was the, the whole idea of circumcision. Don't try to help me give you a child. That's why God, that's the meaning God gave to circumcision. But it didn't, it no longer meant that. Circumcision was how they viewed they were they were helping God. That was their contribution into being saved and being approved and being part of God's people. It had lost its original meaning. But that's not what the insight was. This is the insight. Such a large portion of the New Testament, of Paul's writing specifically, are devoted to explaining the, the relationship of circumcision in which it was binding at one point, but now it's no longer binding. It's no longer a necessity. Um, and that's for circumcision that was given to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. That's where the journey, his journey begins. So actually, it doesn't even begin with circumcision. That doesn't give till about Genesis 18. When God makes that promise, there was no circumcision. He comes later in the story. And so much investment to um, explain so that the readers and the church could understand that circumcision um, was no longer binding. My question is, 
God had the Sabbath back in Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 1. Um, when the, at the end of the creation, he blesses and sanctifies the Sabbath. This is, you know, pre-sin. Post-sin, he mentions it in, the, in Mount Sinai, inscribes it in stone and gives it, you know, orally and written. And ever since, you know, from Genesis chapter 1, Sabbath is just there, there, there mentioned all throughout. And in the New Testament, you see the Sabbath mentioned uh, throughout the, the New Testament. And nowhere in the entire New Testament corpus do you find this level of engagement that is given to circumcisions um, no longer being binding to the Sabbath no longer being binding? Um, yet most of Christians believe that th there's plenty of evidence in the New Testament to show that Sabbath is no longer a binding uh, commandment to humanity. But you don't find nowhere near the amount of argumentation and biblical evidence as you see for circumcision. Paul never makes this kind of argument, and neither do any of the apostles or gospel writers, that somehow the Sabbath that was inscribed by God is no longer binding. And, and in my thinking, this is just me thinking, circumcision does not uh, equate in uh, moral, and as far as God is concerned, he, he, that was a verbal command he gave to Abraham, but to Moses, and um, to prior generations, it was verbal, but Moses, he didn't have Moses write that. He wrote that himself with his own finger on tables of stone, along with other commandments such as no murder, no idolatry, no, no uh, covetousness, things that of course are still binding today. You don't find that same level of argumentation that Sabbath has been done away with, therefore you can pick a day or of course Sunday is the new day for the Christian. You don't have that which to me was a fresh new insight into how to relate to other brothers and sisters that sincerely believe that, you know, there is evidence in the Bible. If circumcision, which was um, uh, something given to Abraham, um, and it begins only after Abraham, and it begins because Abraham failed to trust God's promise. And now Paul and all these other New Testament writers are arguing that it's no longer binding in several places with robust, thorough argumentation as to why it's no longer binding, we have nothing like that about Sabbath. So this gives you confidence that what the Bible teaches, it teaches clearly. There is no surmising or needing to add uh, to it in order to, for us to understand clearly what it means. I wanted to leave that to you as, as a Seventh-day Adventist, that we're not following just uh, whims or wishes of individuals. And we need to pray that as we relate to our other brothers and sisters from other denominations, that with love and careful thought, we'll present to them reasons why they should reconsider some of their positions, some of their beliefs, and some of their convictions. Um, this issue of you know understanding one another is not just for us as Seventh-day Adventists. I'm part of a ministerial association in the Taylor area. I would love for us to have these kind of discussions, but I think we'd stay away from them because of negative past experiences where it went from amicable to what we talked about on Sabbath, fear, and we talked about yesterday, anger. Fear and anger can destroy this dialogue. Pray for me, pray for the other pastors of other denominations, that the Spirit of God will bring us together to look at these things that we are so sure are in the scriptures to see whether they are really there and pray for me and the rest of the pastors in this district that we will have the wisdom of Jesus to win the hearts of other people 
so that it's not just about arm wrestling with things that we call the truth, but rather leading them to a closer understanding of the grace of God, His salvation, even through the Sabbath.